We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. We got some stuff to talk about today, some news, some rumors. We're going to be talking about what the optimal Yankees batting order is, since maybe the position players are not done, but it kind of seems like the position players are done for the most part, uh, barring some minor moves. I don't expect them to acquire another starting position player. Anyway, Scott, How's your morning been? <laughs> Good morning. It's It's been a shit show of a morning, to be honest. Uh, late buses, missing buses, delayed school openings, all of the, uh, all of the above. So um, I'm bleeding for some reason. I don't know why. Um, you know. But uh, it's good. I'm awake. That's for sure. I'm definitely very awake and and ready to uh, to to talk some some baseball. I'm ex- I'm getting excited. You know what? It's 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 that type of uh, or it's that time of the season, the off season in the winter, where uh, I'm talking myself into getting very excited for Marcus Stroman. That's what's happening Ugh. to me in my head. Yeah, I'm doing that. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna get excited for it just in case it does happen. Well, let's lead there. Marcus Stroman. And maybe my reaction made it sound like I wouldn't be excited for Marcus Stroman. That that isn't necessarily how I feel about it. But uh, reports this morning from John Morosi that the Yankees have emerged as the top candidate to sign Marcus Stroman and that uh, the sides have had very productive discussions in recent days. Marcus Stroman, I think, is not a guy that was on any of our radar as someone that would be fitting into the Yankees' uh, rotation next year. He had a... A good year last year, um, but I think you know there were some injuries in there that explained the struggles down the stretch. Because in the first half of the season, uh, through the end of June last season, pitching for the Cubs, he had a 2.47 ERA in 17 games. Then he dealt with a, a hip injury, and he had a fractured rib when he was trying to come back and rehab. He eventually eventually returned and down the stretch pitched to a, a 
8.31 ERA. So obviously that was injury related, but he had a he was 88th percentile in barrel percentage and 94th in ground ball percentile. He's always been a ground ball pitcher, which is um, a good thing for Yankee Stadium. It's also a good thing, I think, for the for the rotation that the Yankees have because you know, Cole and Radon are both are both four seam fastball pitchers, and those those guys t- obviously high strikeout pitchers, but also fly ball pitchers. And at Yankee Stadium, if you can keep the ball in the middle of the field, and you can live as a fly ball pitcher, like that's no problem. Center field and the right. gaps are still big. You just you know you can't live down the lines at Yankee Stadium. So Stroman, I for for those couple of reasons, I think would fit in. His MLB trade rumors projected contract is two years and $44 million. Spotrack has him at a $15.6 million AAV market value. He opted out of his deal with the Cubs. I think we said it was twenty-one. It would have been a $21 million AAV this year for one year. I don't know that he's going to beat that AAV, but he's certainly going to beat that total value, whatever he gets. for Maybe. Two, maybe. maybe. I don't think that's totally out. I, I, I mean, you could, you could make an argument that that's still in play, uh, Marcus Stroman, for a one-year deal. Um, given given where things are, so I, you know, obviously he's got. He's, I have to. He opts out though for for the purpose of trying to lock in probably a two to three year deal, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that that's a, yeah. But I don't think it's a given with him. I don't think it's a given. I, I I think that he definitely it's risky on his end to turn down because that's pretty good money for one year for for Marcus Stroman. Um, but it's risky for sure. Yeah, I guess so. I but like I have to imagine in these circumstances whenever a player opts out of a deal the agent is 99.99% sure he's going to get more than what that was like i can't remember a scenario where a guy opts out and ends up signing for the same or less than he was taking elsewhere barring a situation where he was just like i got to get the fuck out of chicago yeah which maybe because stroman has <laughs> we're going through it stroman's been known to to not be happy with the team that he just left yeah, you know, and when you're looking at the, you know, him opting out of that deal, um, it, it it says a few things. Like, I think that his numbers, uh, when you look at uh, what was he, uh, he was just over a three ERA last year, a three nine five ERA last year, one hundred and thirty. You got to look at the different, but 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 I'm saying I think it, it's, like I think I he's better about. than that. Like the the three nine five, I think he actually pitched better than than uh, than what that reflects. Um, you know, and yeah, his first half and second half is is a big deal because he got he did get injured. He's so here's one thing: he's he's quote injury guy on your end, not a big dude by any means. Um, had a weird what a, a rib injury, a hip injury. So he's he's definitely were you just not listening this. to anything I just said. You were just completely zoned out, probably. I was listening to most of it. I'm still trying to you know get my head straight from standing out by the bus stop for an hour. In thirty degree weather. Continue your thoughts. I, I think that I think that he has. He's a bit of an asshole. All right, and I think yeah. that's a good thing. I think that kind of no. no the, the, Come on, for you no, said this about Radon last year. Yeah, yeah, but Radon costs way too much money. When when you're when you have a you're an asshole, you're who, gonna be a cheap asshole. A cheap asshole on a on on a you know that has something to prove in a big market, which I think he's fine with. Um, I can get behind that. I think he's definitely one of those catalyst types of guys. He runs his mouth a bit, which I, again, if he's, this is similar thinking to the Josh Donaldson, but he's not 37 mm-hmm. years old, mm-hmm. he's not 37 years old. And it's a different type of, of, uh, 
of, former of Blue Jay, kind of an asshole, polarizing figure. Where it's have a we little, heard this it's before? a different type of abrasion uh, with the personality. So he, uh, I, I think that you're looking at him. Like, let's be honest. You saw him sign Marcus Stroman. You're you're essentially uh, he's a he's a number five starter, right? For the for the Yankees, number four or five no. starter, four or five. You know, depending on who who wins. Like, I still think there's a possible battle for for uh, that that fifth spot. Um, and who knows if the Yankees go out and do something else? Because it doesn't stop them from doing other things if they sign Marcus Stroman. In my in my opinion, uh, I think if you sign Marcus Stroman, he's starting Game Three of the season. Oh, I don't know about that. I think Nestor Cortez is starting Game Three of the season. <laughs> I, I, who has a better track record? I mean, Nestor Cortez would start Game Three of the season, and you'd have. It doesn't matter. My point is, is he's towards the back end of the rotation, and uh, and then if you're again like flexibility wise, if they're able to go do something, and and even because I think that if they sign him, you could still get another pitcher. Like they should still be in. Yeah, on I think some of the you have. <laughs> No, I think if you sign him, you still have to get another pitcher. So I, I think that Marcus Stroman for the for the price, call it two years and forty four ish million, like around that price, is good value for what you just said, a middle to back of the rotation arm that has some upside. But I don't think you go into the. I I personally would not feel great about going into the the season with a rotation of Cole plus all of those kind of question unknowns. marks, including Radon Stroman. Um, Cortez and Schmidt. Schmidt. Like that is that is not a secure enough four through five. Uh, excuse me, two through five in a rotation to go through the season. I agree, especially going into the season the way that the Yankees are going into the season with with Juan Soto on a one year deal. You have a bunch of expiring yeah. deals with Verdugo and Glaber. You got to win this year. You got to put the the chips on the table. So if you do sign him, you're actually you're improving the depth of the team 100, percent which I think is a good thing. Uh, and then you still go after you know one of these other one of these other pitchers that are on the market uh, and trade. Yeah. You could trade or you could still like a Jordan Montgomery to me makes makes a lot of sense at that point. Um, but see, then I don't see them signing both. I don't see them making two starting pitching free agent signings. It, why? This is something we were because talking about. Because if they about. were going on Yamamoto and they were going to spend that much money on a 12-year deal for Yamamoto and look at the AAV for, for him, if you look at the AAV, uh, you're getting a shorter term deal for two guys. And you're you're filling two rotation spots for for cheaper money. So if you're if you're willing to spend the money on a guy, and I understand that's a long term thing, ten to twelve years, and uh, a guy that's going to be part of the organization for a long time. But again, you're going into this year. You got to win this year. You're looking at this year as an opportunity to win, and of you have to put all of it out there. So if you sign Marcus Stroman and you go still in play for uh, Montgomery, even Snell, I think at that point now Clark Schmidt is a bat all the way at the back, but it also gives you flexibility because if you need to use Clark Schmidt in a swing type role, or if he's in the bullpen in a, in a more consistent capacity, I think you're improving your bullpen uh, at that point too, but it does give you more optionality. And we're always talking about create depth in some way for the rotation. You add Stroman and one of these other guys, you're, you're, you're doing that. Granted there's injury risk, obviously with Stroman, but, but I think then, then you have some flexibility with Schmidt. Agree. And listen, like, should they, could they sign two more pitchers? Of course. I think they need two more pitchers. We were talking about this in our chat uh, a couple days ago. When the Yankees sign a big free agent, they usually get it done in December. And if once the season, once the offseason bleeds past the new year, they're not making big free agent signings anymore because they've already gotten their guy. And I would consider if you sign Montgomery or Snell a big free agent signing because it's going to cost north of $150 million. Marcus Stroman's not going to cost that. Marcus Stroman is a 
two-year, you know, modest deal guy. So that makes sense why they would sign him at this point in the season. I just think of track record and how Brian Cashman has operated in the past. That's why I don't expect them to sign Stroman and Snell or Stroman and Montgomery. Well, I also think this this year is is a bit different from the the precedent because of you know what was leading off the free agent market with uh, Otani and Yamamoto, uh, you know, driving the market and and essentially taking up the bandwidth of every team who was in on those on those players. The other the other you know if you don't have those guys, then Montgomery and Snell are are, are signed by now for sure. Uh, but that kind of pushed the market back as far as time, uh, you know, a month or so. So I hear you with the, with the December thing with the Yankees and, and what they've done in the past, but I don't think that's, that's necessarily as relevant given the circumstances of what the off season was this year. Guys, can you look up the signing date of Radon last year? Was that a December signing or was that a pass? I think that was around the GM meetings, right? A winter, excuse me, winter meetings signing, if I, if I remember correctly, but um, getting back to the Stroman rumors and, you know, being a, an asshole. So it kind of goes back to the 2019 trade deadline when the Yankees had quote, no interest in trading for Stroman. Cashman said publicly he wasn't a difference maker. And then Stroman tweeted besides Cole, there's no current Yankees pitcher who will be any anywhere in my league over the next five to seven years. Their pitching always folds at in the end. That lineup in payroll should be winning World Series left and right, yet they're in a drought, LOL. And so I guess he didn't say that at the 2019 deadline because Cole was not a Yankee at that point. He must have said this in 2020. But I know he sat out the 2020 COVID season. Um, and he's also just said he's always been a talker and he's, you know, Quote, I've always been a talker. I've always been a trash talker on the basketball court. I've always been that guy with a little chip on my shoulder who felt like he was going to get. He's got short guy syndrome. There's a, you know, that's he just, does have little guy. He does have an opinion yeah. complex. I think yeah, that's, that's just fine. something my got, I like guys with chips on their shoulder who can handle a big market. And I think he, he, he is that guy. Again, I'm warming up to this. God, you, you said this about Donaldson. Then you said this about Radon and just look how those turned out. Like, Oh, don't put Radon on me. Don't put Radon on me about me. Feeling, we literally feel good titled, we literally titled an episode, Carlos Radon's fire is good because you had to talk yourself into his fire being good. And how did that turn out? Let me tell you the difference here. Carlos Radon was signed for a massive contract. I could do nothing about that. This guy is, is more of like a drop in the bucket and, and someone who can help us out. So it's, he's, he's, he's definitely on a different stratosphere in the way that we're talking about these two guys because one is clearly overpaid at this point and one is going to be you know about right uh, given, given the market with a chip on his shoulder who has had some, some, some good years, is very competitive uh, and you know, whether it's just for money or lack of uh, attention on the free agent market, wants to be a Yankee uh, right now. And that's that's fine with me. The guy's pitched in New York in the past. Uh, yeah. He's pitched in the he's pitched in the division in the past. He's from Long Island, right? Is he from Long Island? I think he is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's pitched in New York in the past. That went great. He he loved pitching for the Mets. Nothing ever, nothing went wrong when he was pitching for the Mets. I'm just saying he's, he's really- felt it. And yeah, he's from the area. So, you know, he knows he knows what to expect. The Radon signing was a December 21st signing, just to close the loop on that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Other news, uh, Shota Imanga signed with the Cubs. And this is, I'm reading from a John Heyman tweet. Deals complicated and includes player team options and escalators that could boost it all the way up to $80 million. Guarantee suggested to be somewhere around $30 million for two years, which is uh, not a lot of money. I was surprised when I saw this. So yeah, the not a lot of money. And I don't know, I don't know what that does to the market when you see a, a signing like that. Um, if it if it helps level it out a little bit, it's like, you know, the the hysteria is over now that Yamamoto and Otani have signed, and and we're kind of coming back to earth a little bit with with some of the contracts. And you know, maybe 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 that's a sign of of uh, of teams that were willing to do a particular thing for for two very particular players, and then outside of that, uh, there's there's not as much flexibility and room to you know to grow these contracts. So. It'll be interesting to see. I'm very curious to see what Snell and Montgomery are are actually, uh, you know, talking through and getting on the on the market. Um, and if it's, you know, if there's a if there's a percentage reduction in in the um, in the contracts given what we've seen already. Yeah, because then you're you're talking if you can, um, if you can bar- get a bargain for one of those guys. Bargain is obviously relative, but if it's not going to be the 30 million a year AAV that maybe was projected right after Yamamoto signed for Snell and Montgomery. If you can get them in like the, the low to mid 20 million AAV and maybe you shave a year off just based on the fact that the off season is bleeding on and there's fewer teams in demand for those guys, or those guys are in demand for fewer teams. You might be able to get a little bit of a bargain in that sense. You know, that could bring the Yankees back into it. Uh, guys, if you could look this one up, there was there, a couple of years ago. This a couple may have been four years ago at this point. When, when twenty thirteen, when when Kimbrel signed that that oh, contract, yeah. was it with the Cubs? Yeah. At the at the it was like very close to spring training. It was like at the end of the winter um, off season, and I you know a lot of talk was like he's waiting, he's waiting. It's probably going to be a one year deal. It's probably and I remember I was I was shocked by the contract because it was a longer term deal. It was way more money than I expected, and it's it's almost as if like the his value didn't diminish as much as we thought it did um, uh, at that point in the off season. So I'm I'm kind of wondering if that's if there's a little bit of a pump fake happening as well, and and there's these contracts are still going to be uh, be higher because that one definitely surprised me. And do you guys have that what that deal was? So it was actually mid season after the rule five draft because they didn't want to. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it happened even point, further into the season. Yeah. You know, didn't want to lose a, a draft pick um, compensation to sign him, I guess. And it was three years and $45 million. Okay. Yeah. That and, was the, that was the Dallas Keuchel U2. They both, they both did that. Right. Mm. So, you know, there's, there's, we've seen guys wait and wait and wait and still, what get, year was that? Is that nineteen? Was that twenty nineteen? That's my guess. I'm thinking it was yeah. before yes. COVID. Um, 
yeah. So uh, different situation, BC. different situation. It's it's risky. What'd you say? BC, BC, right? Um, uh, and you know, so there's you've seen guys wait, wait, wait. Uh, obviously, they they waited until into the season. I forgot that it was all the way into the season, uh, and they were still able to get multi year deals. Uh, that was uh, that was decent money at the time. So, um, yeah, I'm curious to see how it goes. But but uh, I think I think signing a guy like Stroman right now shouldn't affect how they go after if if they are truly still interested in Montgomery and or Snell. Um, I, it shouldn't affect them not signing them too. Really, it shouldn't. No, it shouldn't because, like you said, you've you've got to win the championship this year with Soto on a free agent contract um or you know being a free agent at the end of the year and the window closing quickly and what's the point of uh going into the sea it would just be so negligent to go in the season saying we'll figure out the rotation later with this team it would make no sense as soon as yamamoto didn't sign with the yankees they uh, they they need to go after (coughs) the best opportunity to win in 2024 yep bottom line because there's a big reset coming after this, but year. that could, but that could still be trading for one of the Cease or Corbin Burns or it could, Azardo sure. or somebody like that. Because that's also a cash. Move. I mean, Corbin Burns not so much because Corbin Burns is also going to be a free agent after the year. But trading for a signing a pitcher and then trading for a team controlled pitcher, yeah. And Cease is going to be expensive because there's there's multiple teams that have good farm. Like we were talking before we hit record here, the Orioles are a. Uh, they're they're actually a perfect. They're still the spot. number one. They're still they're the number one ranked spot. system in baseball too, despite a lot of their top prospects no longer being considered prospects because they got called up. Right, and and they have uh, the holiday kid sitting there ready to. Uh, he's going to be in the majors this year, whether he's playing at short, he's playing at second, and they shift. Uh, uh, you know, some of the guys around because they have the ability to play multiple positions. They're they're. They are a perfect landing spot for Dylan Cease, to be very honest, because they're chock full of talent in the minor leagues and they are so young and ready in the major leagues. That would be that that signing makes absolutely the most sense in the entire world. And I would be shocked if it doesn't happen. That said, they're also, if, the, if the Yankees were to compete with that, they're going to have, you're looking at, um, you're looking at their, the top three prospects. You're looking at Dominguez included. Uh, and, and you're going to have to most likely, and I don't get, see them trading Dominguez. Them. I don't see them trading Dominguez. At this I don't point. either. Not nothing to do with the injury. I just don't see them doing that with the, with with the question marks in the outfield past next season. I don't see the Yankees trading Dominguez at this point. He's probably untouchable for them. I I would I would think at this point, given uh, given what we saw already, it would be uh, it would be tough to to swallow that one. Understanding that that um you know obviously it was a very short sample size, but kid looked like a player. Yeah. Um. All right, Scott. I got a question for you. What do you think the most common New Year's resolution is? Uh, the gym. Okay, that's one. Do you think e- eating, eating healthy? Well. Eating healthy. Overall yeah, that's fitness what and health, for. I would say. Fitness and health. It's hard to consistently eat healthy because there's a million things that get in the way. Work, kids, no time to grocery shop, no time to cook, food cravings, and the list goes on. With Factor, you don't have to worry about any of those. They take the stress out of meal planning with their ready-to-eat meal delivery service that goes straight to your door. Factor has over 35 meals to choose from each week, including options for keto, calorie smart, vegan, veggie, and much more. Plus, they have over 55 add-ons, so you never get tired of what you are eating. The process is very easy. You go on their website and you make your order. They deliver the food right to your door. 
Then you heat it up in just two minutes and boom, you're eating delicious and healthy meals. Factor is also flexible. You can change your delivery order every week with plans from four to 18 meals per week, or you can pause and reschedule your membership whenever you want. I love using Factor because inevitably the five o'clock window comes around. Harrison gets home from daycare. We have absolutely no food on the table and I have to figure out dinner in like 45 seconds. And it's very nice to go open the fridge and boom, just pop something in the microwave, heat it up and you're eating uh, a tasty meal in no time. Um, Factor is no prep, no mess, just delicious food. Head to factormeals.com slash Bronx 50 and use code Bronx 50 to get 50% off half off. It's an amazing deal. F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S.com slash B-R-O-N-X five zero factormeals.com slash Bronx 50. Thank you, Factor. All right, let's uh, let's do the let's do the lineup talk because mm, the other news is not as exciting as Mark. Let's, let's peck through it first, though, and then and then hit that so we can spend some time, you know, land, okay, land in there. Fine, fine. Land fine. in there because the Yankees did. They, they signed a, uh, you know, another guy that can't hit 200. <laughs> Kevin Smith? Yeah, Kevin Smith, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I was saying before we recorded. Give me a more generic name than Kevin Smith. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I saw an SI.com headline, Yankees Yankees acquire former Oakland A's third baseman. And it was like a picture from far away of just like a guy in an Oakland A's uniform throwing a baseball. And of course, they're alluding to Matt Chapman, but I knew it wasn't Matt Chapman. I'm just like the goddamn editor on this is trying to clickbait people. And I hate it slash respect it. Anyway, yeah, Kevin Smith who went over to the A's in the Chapman Toronto trade was non-tendered by Oakland after exhausting all of his options in 2023. He hit a whopping 173 and 333 plate appearances at the MLB level. Although last year did hit 324 in AAA. Perfect for the fits right, fits right into the Yankee system. That's the philosophy right there. You guys, you guys are, are crushing in AAA. But struggle when you get your cup of coffee, come to the New York Yankees. The Bronx is ready for you. Scranton Wilkesbury will open you with with uh, with big arms. We're ready for that mm-hmm. 300 batting average. And we're going to tell all of our fans that it's going to translate until it doesn't. <laughs> uh, some other news items. The Marlins hired Rachel Balkovic as the director of player development. If you remember, she was the Tampa Tarpons manager for the past two seasons. She also worked in the Yankee system in the strength and conditioning uh, in strength and conditioning. I think and she's worked in a couple of different organizations as well. Um, and also the Mets have interest in signing Wandy Peralta per Andy Martino. And I, I, I guess, you know, Wandy Peralta, I think was both on our, um, yeah, he was an easy resign plans. for us. Yeah. He, he's just one of those guys that that you know is going to come out, compete, give you good innings, uh, get out of trouble. Uh, doesn't seem like much shakes him. So, I love if if Wandy Peralta were to come back, I would uh, I would I would think that would be a great signing. I think he's probably a very good signing for any team that wants him. Yeah, and I don't know why the Yankees. I mean, do you think I saw you know that hater is still out there. So it's like, Oh, got to wait for the top reliever to go before the other guys sign. Like why? Like, I don't think the Yankees are going to be in on hater. We know Wandy Peralta is a valuable bullpen piece. Just get that deal done. I don't think Wandy Peralta's market is affected by Josh Hader no. in the least bit. Josh Hader is more worried about trying to get the, the most money that's ever been given to a, a closing, uh, a closer at this point. Wandy Peralta is not, not in that conversation. There's different, different precedents for uh, contracts for a guy like him. Yep. But he's a he's a um, solid he's a foundational guy for for a bullpen. He's like he's that trusted lefty guy that can come in and uh, and work multiple innings, get you out of jams, 
get you uh, a ground ball that you need, get a strikeout that you need. Like he's he's just one of those really dependable guys. If I'm a manager, Wandy uh, Peralta is one of my my best friends in the in the bullpen. Okay, that's all the news. Unless you've got something else you want to talk about. No, congrats to, to Rachel ba- uh, Balkovic. That that's a, you know, she's been, um, you know, she's been leading the charge uh, as far as women in baseball and 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 getting uh, positions. I, I she was, I think she was with. Uh, she went overseas and was uh, was involved with um, uh, the one of the national teams. She's just she's she's taken a lot of jobs. Um, in the hitting side and uh, from everything you read about her with Tampa she had she took that nasty ball to the face too right like yeah. during during uh, right as she got into into Tampa as well so she's she definitely faced some adversity um, but from everything you read about her and, and hear people talk about nothing but good things so that's a that's a big deal that's a, that's a the Marlins a, a have definitely position. been the Marlins have been uh, progressive in in promoting women to uh, yeah strong positions within their organization because Kim Ng was their GM for a little while as well. So, you know, shout out Marlins as well. Okay. Until they, so, until they hired somebody uh, a, that was going to be above her and she left being disrespectful. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I take it back. <laughs> um, let's talk about the, the batting order because this is the most I've been excited about a Yankees lineup in a long time. I mean, it's not just because of Soto, although that's a big reason, but I just think there's an opportunity for some balance. Finally, the Yankees haven't really had lefty righty balance in the lineup since 2017, right? Like it's been that long since they've actually had a lefty bat in the middle of the order. Okay. That- to be clear, it is because of Juan Soto. It's not, not because of Juan Soto. It is because of Juan Soto. I because- said, I said, it's not just because of Juan Soto because ah. Verdugo also offers some nice options with lefty righty at the top of the order, which they definitely have not had in a lot of years. Okay. Cause I think the leadoff spot is very interesting to talk about. So let's start there. The candidates for who's going to bat leadoff are obviously DJ LeMahieu and Verdugo, but also Glaber Rizzo, Perhaps Volpe Judge is on our list for some reason, although I don't agree with that. Uh, you're hitting Judge and Soto back-to-back in the lineup, so I guess in theory you could hit Judge 1 and Soto 2, but that ain't happening. But I think Verdugo and DJ uh, make a ton of sense and also could flip-flop depending on if it's a lefty or a righty on the mound because they're split. So LeMahieu against left-handed hitters, and these are these are um, excuse me, against uh, left-handed pitchers, and these are from last year. He had a 761 OPS. Not not great by any means, but certainly better than his 707 OPS against righties. And when we looked at DJ's numbers, the second half overall was just much better. Verdugo on the flip side, who's a lefty hitter against righties, has a 793 OPS and a 609 OPS against lefties. And then diving a bit deeper into some of these numbers on like what makes a good leadoff hitter, you obviously want them to see some pitches. You don't want them to strike out a lot. You want them to be able to get on base. You want them to be able to make some contact ahead of uh, Judge and Soto. Uh, both of these guys fit that those classifications because the chase percentile for LeMahieu, 82nd percentile, for Verdugo, 85th percentile, and then whiff percentage for LeMahieu, 81st percentile, and Verdugo, 94th percentile. Interesting. DJ's 81st percentile for whiff, whiff percentage, despite striking out way more last year than he ever had before, he's still pretty good 81st percentile overall in the league and i think that also got better in the second half of the season so i think the clear option to start the season before we start figuring out like who's hitting well who's injured all of that stuff is a lefty's on the mound dj's leading off a righty's on the mound verdugo's leading off 
Yeah. So are you in favor of that? Like, do you, do you have a, the platoon option for this? First of all, I mean, can we just talk about the, the general approach here first, right? Like let's agree on, on this because a lot of people say, and a lot of people, a lot of uh, old school baseball folks, I think, think like this too, is that you got to have a leadoff guy. That's it. Like one leadoff guy, he's the leadoff guy and everything stays the same. I think exactly what we're talking about here, like platooning that spot going up going against the matchup you know maybe it's maybe it's not 15 different lineups as we've seen in the no. past maybe it's like two or three you know that that yeah. if, if if healthy you can you can try it out there and you know if if someone um and some pitchers may play a little different based on their stuff and 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 what um and you know what uh guys have done with uh, against them in the past but having some flexibility is a good thing but i agree you go you, you have a a lineup an optimal lineup for a lefty and an optimal lineup for a righty and and you roll that out there. So um, I think there's a there's a good case. Uh, I like Verdugo as a, as a leadoff guy, uh, given his bat to ball skills. I think that's that's something that is uh, that to me still as a, as a leadoff guy. I want I want you to take a lot of pitches. I don't want you to strike out a lot, and I want you um, uh, you know to be aggressive. And I and I think he's he's the type of guy there. I think it's interesting given the. The age at this point, and and yes, DJ is uh, his second half was significantly better, but there's still large unknown for him um, with uh, what to expect. So I think there's definitely more of a debate between him uh, and Glaber actually when you when you put them up at the top. I see Glaber Torres though is in my opinion just not a good leadoff hitter. He's much better as a run producer in the five or six hole. Glaber Torres is like we know he's not going <clears> to. <throat> He's not going to walk a ton. Um, last year, though, he, he was 70th percentile for chase percentile and whiff percentile, 70th percentile as well. You know, it's not horrible. I'm not calling him horrible. It's just when you when you also look at his numbers, uh, we had his lefty-righty splits uh, in here as well. Glaber Torres against right-handed pitchers, 773 OPS, 921 OPS against left-handed pitching. And the big reason is his slugging percentage, a 546 slugging percentage and a 375 on base percentage against lefties. He is a power hitter against lefties, especially against left-handed pitching. You want Glaber Torres potentially hitting cleanup or fifth in a power position because he's proven he can hit left-handed pitching right-handed pitching. That's a different story. But again, I think you've got a ready on the mound and it's easy to slot Verdugo in that leadoff hitter. And to answer your question about, Oh, do you need to have one leadoff hitter? If DJ LeMahieu is winning the batting title, like he did in 2020, then yeah, you have one leadoff hitter, but none of us think that's going to be the case this year. So I'm fine platooning the leadoff hitter. And at this point, I know Volpe hit leadoff a little bit last year. Volpe's not ready to be leadoff this year. If in June, after two months of consistency, you want to put him at the leadoff spot, awesome. But I think it's very easy to slot him nine, and then you turn the lineup over to DJ and Verdugo, DJ or Verdugo, as in the one spot, ahead of Judge and Soto. You need... Judge and Soto is going to be... Like I said this before, Manny Ortiz, that's going to be that kind of combination that a pitcher is thinking ahead, crap, can't put guys on base ahead of those guys this inning. So you need to find some consistency ahead of those guys. So the the run producer, uh, I, I get it with the the, um, the power for, for Glaber uh, as well. A couple things. Um, Glaber gives you more more flexibility on the base path than DJ. At this point, DJ in his career is uh, do we have what their numbers are situational? Like 
I'm, I'm curious about that, like runners on base, uh, runners in scoring position, uh, stuff like that. Because DJ, to me, bat to ball skills, I trust him a whole of a lot more. And if if I have him in the five or six spot, let's say, uh, I know that he's going to do what needs to get to get done to get a run in. And and Glaber, um, I don't know. I just have more trust in the bat to ball skills for a DJ LeMahieu. I don't think he's a he's a he's a problem when you put him in that spot. And I do think that when you're looking at um, at the leadoff spot. I want some more optionality with, uh, you know, how the, how the guy can run the bases. Like I'm, I'm looking at those things too. And, and that's, that's more traditional. I understand that, but I don't think there's a huge, uh, drop off between them in production spots. There is for power, but actually doing the job and getting it done. Um, I don't know how much of a drop off there is. Ilya's DJ about to tell was, me I'm wrong. No, DJ was pretty awful last year. It's overall, hard to, it's hard to, with runners on base. He was awful last year. In the first half or second half. I just have the season splits. 620 OPS with men on base, 629 OPS with runners in scoring position. Like it's not good. I and I know he's been good in the past. So I I'm not saying like that is what he is, but at this point in his career, I think DJ LeMahieu can more realistically be a a decent leadoff hitter than a run producer number 5 or number 6 hitter. Yeah, it's Real it's quick, it's quick. Go, Ilya, go ahead. Sorry. Uh so Ball and play percentage, how many of their at-bats, what percentage is the ball being put in play? It's funny, their career and compared to last year is kind of flipped. So last year, Glaber, 71% of his at-bats, the ball was put in play, whereas DJ was 64. And then for career, Glaber's 66 and DJ's 74. And then there was one other thing real quick. Glaber, his splits based on where he bats in the lineup last year, uh, he had a 713. OPS leading off, which is not bad. But then you look at him down in the fifth hole down there and his OPS jumps up into like the 900s. Oh, that's the further down he goes, he becomes more valuable. Yeah, uh, We've seen Glaber lead off a good amount over the past four seasons. And it, it it's it's not great. It's not, I mean, could you do worse? Sure. But I just think he's he is what he is at this point. Um, and this isn't me be talking as a, as a Glaber hater. I just think he's more realistic as a run producer than he is a leadoff hitter. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. I, he's, I'm, I don't know how many double plays he, uh, he grounded into as well, but I feel like there were a good amount of them. Um, I just think it's more of a conversation. I don't think it's as, as much of a drop in the bucket. I, if you were to put a gun to my head and, and ask me which one of those guys, I would have LeMahieu in the leadoff spot uh, as a personal choice. But I do think that we are going to see against left-handed pitching um, Glaber in that leadoff spot. Uh, I just think that's what's what's going to happen at some point. Um, and if Lemayhew's healthy, then you're right. If he's the bat, if he's the guy that is hitting, you know, if, if we're if we're seeing him get on base, like a, a, you know, back to the to the days not on par to a batting champion, but you know, closer to that DJ Lemayhew, then he's a perfect leadoff guy because he's setting the table, he's seeing pitches. Um, and, and he's, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna move, move the lineup along to the most important thing that needs to happen at the end of the day, they need to move the lineup along to get to Soto and to get to judge. And if you can do that, then you're an extremely valuable player. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. A problem with putting Glaber leadoff against left-handed pitching is who hits cleanup? Yeah. Because your Glaber is a natural cleanup hitter, despite his bad numbers career cleanup. Be against lefties because of his track record against hit for hitting left-handed pitching. Otherwise, now you're looking at, well, Glaber's in leadoff, so Rizzo, who's lefty, Stanton, who who the hell knows what Stanton's going to be. Stanton becomes so, a problem. So, he, he adds a massive problem to this entire lineup construction at this point because we have no idea what he's going to be. And if anything, you default to the fact that he's going to be nothing uh, more yeah. than you default to the side that he's going to be, you know, the, the Giancarlo Stanton that we've, that we signed and, and, you know, expected to play here for multiple years. You, you just can't bank on anymore. It. Not anymore. Yeah. You can't. No. And, and, and here's the other thing about Glaber and in a run producing role and cleanup. I love Glaber with the Cam Maben uh, middle of the field approach. I think Glaber is at his best when when he is not trying to you know hit the long ball. When he is trying to go up the middle of the field, hit the gaps, go with what is given to him. And you put him in a in a in a leadoff spot. I think he's got more of an ability to do that. His role is different at that point. I know that the the numbers are are saying that ones that Ilya just pointed out. Like the, I can't dispute that. Clearly, he's he's hitting uh, well at the bottom. <laughs> Or, or towards the middle of the lineup, but um, I just don't want. I, when he gets in trouble, it's because he's trying to pull the ball too damn much, and he's trying to do too much, you just just purely too much with the bat. If he stays within himself, and that's the the biggest coach's cliche you could possibly hear, and does have that middle of the field approach, and you're seeing line drives being sprayed around the diamond, that's the Glaber Torres that I want, and I think that's the best Glaber Torres for this lineup. He doesn't need to be the big run producing guy. Uh <sighs> No, I mean, he's not the big run producing guy. That's obviously Judge and I think Soto. he tries to be that guy too many times, though, and that's what gets him in trouble. That's fair enough. But assuming Stanton's nothing and, uh, you know, Rizzo, like, you're going to need run production out of Rizzo and Glaber behind Soto and Judge. I mean, otherwise, this lineup's just not going to be good enough. Like, you can't just say the lineup is only Soto and Judge because that's not a good enough lineup. You need you need more than two hitters in a lineup. I think this lineup has the potential for a top six to be very strong, but but it's it's not a given. And so I guess the next question is, like you said, platooning leadoff spot is going to happen. Two, three. What would you do? Because this is in my mind, whatever you pick, you stick with it. But why? Why do you have to because stick with it? Because I think these guys Because that's are, just the way it's always been done. Because you have a superstar no, I and you just slot think, them into one one spot. Because I don't think it matters whether it's a lefty or a righty on the mound. You don't care if it's Judge and Soto coming up. You feel good about it. And I just think you stick with it. Like, why, why tinker with something that doesn't need to be tinkered with? Assuming it doesn't need to be tinkered with. I don't think it's good. Judge has hit two for the Yankees since the middle of 2017. Barring yeah. a couple spots in the leadoff, a couple spots at number three. Soto... Uh, has hit mostly three in his career. He's slotted up to number two at different points, but has said publicly he likes hitting number three. Whatever, he'll hit wherever. But I, I just think <laughs> the Yankees haven't had a number three hitter behind Judge like Juan Soto ever. 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 
I, I look, I agree. So the the I think the argument for keeping them in the, in that spot is exactly that. You have protection. You know what's happening. Uh, you went back. You you mentioned the Manny uh, Ortiz thing. Like you know what's coming, and it strikes the fear of God in you because uh, it used to scare the living shit out of me. Understanding that when the eight batter was up, like if we don't get this guy and the next guy, we're in big, we're in yep. serious deep shit. Uh, when those two guys come up, like that was the 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 feeling. I want to get that feeling back. So if they need to be solidified in there, it does. I don't think it matters as much. Um, I think it's it's uh, it's fun to press the argument of of why it matters as much um, because I think there's so many people that are traditionally like you got to put this guy at two, you got to put this guy at three because that's the way it is. Um, but if I if you have given me the optimal one, I think you put Judge at two, you put Soto at three. I want to see a full season of Aaron Judge with Juan Soto as his protector. I want to see yeah. that. I want to see you have to pitch to Aaron Judge because Juan fucking Soto is behind him. Uh, exactly. And you could say Man the same hit thing 62 now. home runs with with question marks hitting behind him. Yeah. So yeah, you give me that. You give you uh, then, and I think uh, you know I, I don't even know what to expect. I I think Judge, uh, given uh, you know a healthy season between those two guys, um, could be insane. Uh, you know, the only thing about that is, is like you said, you, now you're at that four spot and you're looking lefty, righty, lefty, righty. Well, the best hitter at that point to be protecting Juan Soto, in my opinion, is Anthony Rizzo. And when you look at, um, you know, his splits, but if a lefty's on the mound, it's Glaber. Yeah, but lefty, but Rizzo hits left-handed pitching. Mm. He does. He does. Last year, we got to throw his numbers out. But yes, he's he always hit left-handed pitching, pitching, though. He's yes. that's the thing about Rizzo is he, he, he defies he defies what you what you think of with a lefty in the box, and he's got the ability to 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 really work that count as well. So you have him behind Juan Soto, and I think you're uh, you know you're you're you are protecting uh, that guy too, and and you know you you have to deal with with Judge and Soto, otherwise you got multiple guys on base for what what should be, um, you know a. Uh, a, a, a still potent lineup from from there on with Rizzo and if you're if you're using Glaber in that spot as a run producer Glaber or DJ like either one of them I think is is a problem with runners on base. Okay, so we've got leadoff is at least early in the season a, a DJ for Dougal Platoon Judge two Soto three Rizzo four Glaber maybe goes up to four on certain days but five is Stanton next if he's in the lineup at six. He's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And so if Stanton six, maybe you do go Glaber four, Rizzo five, Stanton six to do lefty ready, lefty ready, all the way down to the sixth spot. But again, Rizzo hits left-handed pitching, so it actually doesn't matter as much. You're right. It doesn't matter as much until you've got a right-handed pitcher coming in to face Glaber Stanton back to back. Sure. So uh I think you're right. It, it matters later in the game more than than it does early in the game, obviously, because you can match up with uh, with relievers at that point. So um, they're going to mess around with this, and they're going to see what happens. Like this is this is a, uh, an area of the team I think is going to be moved around quite a bit. But I would I would put I would put Rizzo in that spot and and Glaber uh, behind Rizzo. Okay, now we're down to the seven, eight, nine spots in the order. And it's, you know, obviously you've got who's catching that day. Is it going to be Austin Wells or is it going to be, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Trevino probably slotting in seventh or eighth. You've got whoever is going to be not leading off that day. 
be it Verdugo or DJ hitting seventh probably, and then the catcher hitting eighth, and then I think Volpe is an easy ninth slot. I think you you tell Volpe every day he's going to be in that uh, in that second leadoff spot because that's what he is. He's he's essentially um, you know get him get him into the mentality of being a leadoff hitter, uh, turning that lineup over from the nine spot, and uh, and and you see how he does. You keep him there all year long uh, and and see how he goes because. He he! You put him in in the in the lineup at nine. Um, I mean, you're giving him such a great opportunity now for for getting a ton of strikes. You're, he's going to get a ton of strikes, so he's going to have a, a a really big opportunity to have a have a big year uh, because he's going to see a lot of pitches to hit. So um, he's going to have to be disciplined uh, and, and make sure that he's not chasing because they're going to attack him. And and if he's proving that he can, uh, you know, he can lay off the balls outside the zone, he's going to get a ton of strikes. Uh, and, and we'll see what he's made up. I think this is a really important year for him. Last year, Volpe had the most games at ninth. He had a 647 OPS. He had the second most games in the eighth spot in 846 OPS. That was by far his best. Then it, first, he had a 622 OPS. And then batting seventh, he had a 776 OPS. I would look less at the spot and the order corresponding to the numbers. And it's probably more about was he on the hot streak at that point in the season? And that's where he just happened to be hitting at that point. Like, so I don't think it matters eight or nine. Although I do agree with everything you said about having him as the nine man to turn it over to the, to the, to the top of the order makes a lot of sense. And then Logan asked this question uh, before we recorded, do you think their eventual hope is for Volpe to materialize into a leadoff hitter? Yeah, I do. I think I, I do. I think that he's, you know, he's a, he, he could be a prototypical leadoff hitter, uh, in, in his career. I just don't think it's, they don't need to rush him into that spot. They need to have, he needs to develop that more. Yeah. He needs to, he needs to prove that he can be uh, a more reliable at bat. Um, and he just needs to get a, a more of a feel for, for major league pitching and, and just being in the bigs for a longer period of time. But yeah, I think that, that he, he could absolutely slot into, um, an everyday leadoff guy, uh, in the, in the years to come. And I think he'll get some play at leadoff, especially if he's hitting more consistent consistently. Um, he'll have opportunities to get leadoff this year. Uh, when Verdugo or DJ is not there, maybe they have a day off, or maybe it's a lefty on the mound, and DJ hasn't been hitting well, so you're going to slot uh, Volpe there instead. I think we'll see it, but again, like I think him, him again, all things being equal and, and working out, um, which they never do. Uh, him in the ninth spot, and and you know understanding he's got a he's got that role he's like the i don't know it's like a uh it's like a sixth man off the bench in basketball like you know what you are you're the catalyst that needs to come in and and be the the guy um to 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 get the keep the energy up to to you know um to to be a little bit of a a spark plug and i think that he can do that from the nine spot it's not a don't looking not looking at it as as being the last guy in the lineup but i'm looking at it as you're the you're the first guy to to to, to you know turn it over to uh the big the big boys it's a huge role it's it's a reason why in the NL when pitchers hit, uh, there was a good amount of managers who put their pitcher eighth and an actual hitter ninth. Right. Yeah. Because they valued getting having a real hitter ahead of the top of the order. Yeah, you definitely saw that. Um, and it's 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 interesting because if you especially if you have two outs, you know that the guy with the pitcher is a totally different story because if you have two outs, then you know they pitch around that the, the guy. That guy becomes a, a non-hitter anyway. Uh, right. If you're in the eight spot, so 
Um, and then when Trent Grisham or whatever other uh, backup player, utility player is in the lineup, I think you just slide that person into the eighth spot um, and you move up the catcher to the seventh spot and you keep that that Volpe top of the order judge Soto consistency. Yeah. yeah. No, I like that. I think Volpe handing the baton to the big boys is uh, is kind of a uh you know some foreshadowing so you know if they are if they do see him as that leadoff guy this is an opportunity to kind of see how he he fits in that in that role um you know setting the table for for the big guys like it, it's kind of a a trial version of being the leadoff guy and i think the the real question and i know this is going to have to come after we see stuff in spring training but do you think they have the balls to hit stanton sixth yeah, I think they do. Okay. They have to. I, they have to. I agree. They have to. Do I think it's going to be in the very beginning of the season? No, I do That's not. what I'm asking. That's what I'm saying. Like, assuming spring training goes as regular as we all think it's going to go, it's not like, you know, Stanton is healthy enough to play, but he's not, he doesn't have like a thousand OPS in the spring or anything like that. He just looks normal. He's going to hit cleanup on opening day. You know, this is going to happen. He's definitely going to hit cleanup on the opening day if that's the case. And look, yes. I, again, the, the caveat is you have to understand for, for, for us talking about this and for my mentality, like I don't want to get hurt, right? I don't want, I don't want to get hurt. So that's why I set my expectations where I do. And if my expectations are in a place where John Carlos Stanton, you know, I'm hoping that he's going to be better than last year, but not significantly better than last year. Uh, and, and I think that we've, we've, we are seeing what he is. He's, he's getting older, uh, Father time doesn't really help you out unless you're sticking uh, a needle in your ass and defying um, all of the things that that nature tells you uh, is happening without your choice. So if we see that he is lighting it up, he's in the best shape of his life. He's lean, as we're seeing in all these pictures, and and you know he's uh, he's not striking out at the clip that he was striking out. If he has a really good uh, spring training, then then yes, one thousand percent, he's going to be in the four spot, hundred percent. And if he's hitting well, he should be in the four spot if he's hitting well. But yeah, that's again, a different story. If John Carlos Stanton is hitting well, that's a different. It makes the lineup that much better. Obviously, like oh, and of course he's a it does. Four, four guy, and you got the lefty, lefty, righty all throughout. I mean, Stanton is. You want to you want to go back to your uh, you know I know we're we're not there yet for for bold predictions and and uh, and and what's coming up, but talk about an X factor. John Carlos Stanton is exactly that. If that's John a, Carlos Stanton yeah. is a shell of himself, he is a massive X factor in this lineup. He's a thumper. So, that's not a thumper anymore. If he comes back to that spot or close to it at some in some capacity, at least it shows that he's got the ability to do that. It dynamically changes this lineup. The last time Stanton was good was the first half of 2022. He was an all-star in 2022, and I'm pulling up his first half splits. So he, in the first half of the season, had an 835 OPS. So one, it was a 133 OPS plus. If he is a 130 if he's a 125 or better OPS plus hitter this year and you can go judge two, Soto three, Stanton four, Rizzo five, Glaber six, that is a very, very strong lineup core. But yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, there's a huge but. There. I would not bet any amount of dollars on that happening. A lot of yoga. A lot of yoga. It's going to get more flexible, a lot more... Uh... A lot more rotation in those hips, a lot more, a lot more general other, flexibility throughout his body. 
The other thing I wanted to quickly touch on is the catching platoon. So there was an article written that um, some executives uh, with the Yankees believe that Austin Wells is a rookie of the year dark horse candidate. And while I'm not like not saying that's shocking news or anything like that, he's a rookie. Um, he's a rookie. To win rookie of the year, you have to. You can't be a part time catcher, right? You're not going to win rookie of the year playing 70 games. So that would mean he's the starting catcher. If he if you were to win rookie of the year, that means he's the starting catcher. So I'm wondering, maybe I'm reading way too in between the lines here, but if they view Austin Wells as being the starting catcher and Jose Trevino as being the backup catcher, rather than what I assumed was going to happen, which is a pretty even platoon. I think, obviously, that the Yankees want him to be the regular catcher. If, he, if he's coming out of spring training and the pitching staff... Um, is comfortable with him. He's calling good games. Like you're seeing the the defense, and I think that's the biggest thing for him. He had a tough. He when he came up, he did not hit at all. But again, I'm I'm kind of like throwing that aside, forgetting about it, and and giving him a clean slate. He's you know he he. I'm glad that he got the opportunity to play. He got some major league at bats. He makes adjustments in the off season, but he's an offensive as we've known him coming up. Like the offense is the is the dependable part of his game from what. Um, everything that we've seen and read uh, about him. That said, his defense was, I think, better than a lot of people were expecting, and and, and seemingly had the trust and and was uh, was was doing a good job calling games for the pitching staff. So I think that if he comes out has a really good spring training, um, and he has the opportunity to be the this the the opening day catcher, I think you're going to see him in there more often than not. You could. He doesn't have the opportunity to be the opening day catcher because the opening day pitcher is going to be Garrett Cole. Yeah, you're right. So the the cat. So you're right because he's got to have his personal catcher because uh, because of Boo, but maybe not. Yeah, will Austin Wells catch Cole at some point this season? Yes, but he I better. expect I expect Trevino <laughs> to catch Cole. Call it ninety percent of the starts, and then so if if Trevino is already slotted in at twenty eight games because of Garrett Cole's 32 starts uh then the rest of the time that I guess you would say um of the the four through five is I keep saying that of the two through five is Wells going to catch three out of those four or is he going to catch two I think out of those four this spring training I think is massive for him and showing that his defense has continued to improve and his his uh you know calling games has continued to improve because there's no doubt about it that clearly uh, Jose Trevino is by far the superior defensive catcher. He he is he's the guy that um that the the pitching staff trusts, the the pitching um the coaching staff trusts. He he's the he's the trusted one back there. If if we can see Austin Wells proving and showing that he's got the defensive chops and uh you know that room to continue to grow on the defensive side, you're going to see him you're going to see him playing a lot more because clearly the upside on the offense is with with Austin Wells. But it will be interesting. To, this is going to put Garrett Cole's personal catcher theory to a test because Logan's theory on Garrett Cole is he doesn't have a personal catcher. He just prefers whoever the backup catcher is. So if, if Wells is the backup catcher, maybe he'll just prefer him. But Wells is not a backup catcher. I know it's a that's the that's that's the other piece of this is that if you have Austin Wells as the backup catcher, then why is he in the major leagues at this point? 
Backup is not. It doesn't the right fit. Word. It doesn't it's, fit it's the a, development of a young guy like that. The Yankees haven't really had a backup catcher in a long time because Trevino and Higgy. Higgy was a backup catcher. Uh, Austin no, Romine, Higgy and Trevino. Backup catcher. Romine was the last backup catcher. So was Higgy. So Higgy, not, tr- Higgy, tr- Higgy platooned more because of the lack of starting catcher. You can't just tell me that he's not a ba- he's a backup catcher. He well, I has know been. he's a backup catcher, but the Yankees used him. So I guess the backup catcher in my mind is one out of five. And the Yankees haven't done a one out of five catcher in a long time. No, because you need a clear starter at that point. And if you don't have a clear starter, uh, then then you're, you're, you're working a platoon of two backup guys in a normal situation. But the difference between now and and uh, and what we have seen with even Higgy is, is that Austin Wells is a young guy coming up that is still developing. Like you, I don't want to see him you know, catching two out of five or, you know, you know, twice a week. Like yeah, that doesn't yeah. do anything for me for, for him long-term. And, and the Yankees can't, <coughs> can't, you know, uh, stunt his development by doing that. Like, I don't know why he would be in the major leagues at the point he's in the major leagues to play. And if they believe that he can play on the defensive side and show that he can handle a pitching staff and continue to improve defensively, I think he's going to get a lot of run. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity to take, take stranglehold of that job, but I don't think it's going to be a, it's it's this isn't going to be a clear cut starting catcher situation coming out of spring training. I think you're going to see it develop as the season goes on. And if he's showing that he can play, he's going to get more play. But it's going to be 60-40. It's not going to be 80-20 cuz to Logan's point in our chat just now, no catcher is like an 80% catcher anymore. That doesn't happen. They the MLB has started to treat the catching position more like hockey has been treating the goalie position lately where you have like a pretty regular platoon throughout the season to keep guys fresh because we saw what happened to Trevino in 2022 when he caught a majority of the heavy majority of the games in the first half of 2022 he was way better than anyone thought he was going to be he was an all-star and then he was a complete no-show in the second half of the season okay i mean but how much of that was just him also coming back to earth and and baseball being uh, you know that's baseball susan uh, with with jose i'm Trevino choosing to believe offensive. he was overworked because it fits i think it's life. a little bit of both probably but the you know the fact that yes he was playing look i don't disagree i think there's there's definitely more of that you're you're going to be leaning towards uh that 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 platoon split unless you have an adley rushman behind there who's your everyday catcher a buster posey type guy like these are how many games did adley rushman catch last year what percentage of the games did rushman catch last year um, but but I think if you see Austin Wells playing well, if you see him continue to improve and, and handling the bat well and the pitching staff, he's gonna he's gonna play more. You're gonna see him play more, and 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 the Yankees are clearly more invested in in a guy like Austin Wells than they are with uh, with Jose Trevino. Jose Trevino is a very valuable player, but he's less. I think he's he's um he's very valuable as a backup catcher as well. Extremely valuable as a backup catcher. <laughs> In addition to those two guys, they also have Rortvet, Navarez, and Ramirez for catchers on the 40-man roster. Five catchers on the 40-man roster seems like a lot. It is a lot. Something's going to give. You'll see, you'll see a, a move or two. I still think there's a move or two. You know, and we <clears> talked about pitching. Uh, I, I, wouldn't shock me as well if, if there was still a, a, uh, a trade that Cashman looks at. And, you know, I know Ilya and I have been like drooling over a potential trade with the Florida Marlins and all of our plans that just hasn't come to fruition. Um, but I think something, I think a move like that's still uh, in play. Uh, so you're saying to clear up 40, because you'll be trading players off the 40 man roster for one player to go on the 40 man roster. So then you might have one or two spots open to. Yeah, and it wouldn't it yeah. wouldn't it wouldn't shock the living hell out of me either if Glaber Torres were still traded at some point. Wouldn't shock me. Oh, I think at this point that would shock me. 
I think that he's got a lot of value. I, I mean, if you're looking at someone who's got the most value and and you and you don't get what you need on the pitching side and you have to go out and get a pitcher, I think that he's probably the guy you're looking at. The sad thing is I don't think any Yankees position player that is realistically to be traded has any value to any other team. <laughs> like, I think Gleyber Torres has value. He's an impending free agent. Well, that's why you have to, the deal has to make sense for another. So you'd be trading him to a team that thinks they can win this year. What teams that they think they can well, win no, this year? Well, no, I think year? that he, he also, there, there are other things that you could do. I mean, the Florida Marlins had a much better season than than everybody expected last year. They, I they, guess the Marlins a, are the team, team because they've supposedly been interested in Gleyber Torres for like five seasons. Yeah. So you you add some some depth uh, in, you know, what what could be uh, prospects as well. And I think there's an well, opportunity. They're, you they're trade Gleyber. You trade Glaber, you better go out and get another infielder. Yeah, there's. I mean, there are still moves that could be made. You could DJ LeMay, who could play second base. There are still third basemen out there uh, that that could be. Moved. I'm just saying, there you could. Still, Josh Donaldson reunion. No, but uh, another guy that played third Chapman? base in Oakland. Yeah. No, uh, I'm Matt just saying Chapman. there's there are moves to be made if something were to to pop into into Cashman's office and said you can get. Uh, a Lazardo, uh, you know, in in your rotation, or or someone that that is significantly uh, that the Yankees are high on, on the pitching side, uh, that has some control. There are moves to be made still. I mean, unless Matt Chapman is going to sign like a two year, thirty million dollar deal, which I don't think he's going to sign. I, I'm not. I'm not giving him a five year contract. Hell no. Just saying, okay. it wouldn't shock me. I think that's going to wrap it up for today. I think we settled on a good batting order versus uh, a lefty starter versus a righty starter. And I like that to start the season. If Stanton's hitting and he can slot in at the number four spot, all the better. That makes this that takes this lineup to uh, much better versus last year to one of the best in the league, I think, potentially. If Stanton is playing well and he can hit cleanup, I think there's a, a chance the Yankees could be a top five offense. But as I said, that's a long shot. Anything else you want to talk about? No, you know, we're getting close. Some to, to Yeah, we're saying like pitchers and catchers are like a little over a month away. And now with the Super Bowl being pushed back a week, like I feel like it's football season ends, boom, baseball season. Yeah, you got some uh grown ass men throwing the ball back and forth coming up very soon. Coming up very soon. You going so, to you going to spring training this year? Um, I'm open to it. You wanna you wanna go? I'm looking for any excuse to leave the house. Give me 48 too, hours away. Give me 48 hours away, please. <laughs> I'm open all to right. it. Let's look into it. Who wants to go to spring trading? We all do. Uh, that's going to wrap up today's show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back at you again next Wednesday. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.